Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, mining community. Welcome back for another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is David Archer, who's the CEO of Savannah Resources, um, who are a multi-commodity development company focused on building cash-generative and profitable mining operations. Um, they have assets in Portugal and Mozambique and a potential asset in Oman. David has over 30 years industry experience um, with specific expertise in the development and operation of copper and gold projects and has held a number of executive and non-executive roles in a number of listed companies and has been actively involved in the international resources industry uh, throughout his career. So let's get straight into this podcast um, and let's welcome David Archer so he can tell us a little bit about his career and about Savannah Resources. So how are you doing, David? Very well. Uh, thanks, Rob. No, no worries. Appreciate your time in uh, taking your time in doing this podcast. Um, so first of all, can you just give us uh, and give the audience a little bit of background about your, about your career? Um, so from when you uh, graduated uh, and just a, a brief journey to where you are today. And then I've got some questions around uh, around Savannah Resources. Sure, sure. Well, I've been, really been involved uh, with the mining uh, industry since the uh, since the nineteen eighties, and um, principally, as you can probably guess from my accent, uh, in Australia, and I was involved, uh, you know, particularly with uh, the, the coal mining industry um, originally, um, successfully sort of turning around uh, both underground and open cut uh, coal mines in uh, New South Wales. Um, moving on to uh, the development in joint venture with Mount Isa Mines of the um, you know, very large scale Ernest Henry uh, open cut mine development in, um, in northwest Queensland. And we also were involved with the uh, operation of uh, the Clarksville zinc refinery and some associated zinc mines in, um, in Tennessee in the United States. Um, I've, uh, I was also involved in the development of the Kenmantu open cut copper mine in, uh, in South Australia and have been involved um, particularly in the, the royalty sector as well as a non-executive director of Anglo Pacific and more recently of course as uh, chief executive of uh, Savannah Resources and have been leading the charge here uh, at Savannah since 2013. Um, and we have a sort of series of um, very exciting uh, mining uh, projects that we're sort of moving forward on uh, at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so can you give us an overview of the uh, projects that you've got uh, on your books at the moment? Um, yeah, just, just give us an overview and then I've got some questions around them. Sure, sure. Um, well, we have a, 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 a effectively sort of a three uh, project uh, portfolio. The our major and I suppose signature and uh, flagship asset is our uh, Mina de Brasso uh, lithium uh, mine development in northeast Portugal, um, which could actually be the uh, sort of largest uh, spodumene lithium producer in Europe. 
The second project is a, a project that we um, own in joint venture with uh, the mining major Rio Tinto. It's the Matamba Mineral Sands Project in, in Mozambique. It's one of the largest undeveloped uh, mineral sands projects in, in the world. And finally, uh, that's complemented with a series of small uh, but high-grade uh, copper uh, deposits in Oman, uh, currently the subject of a uh, strategic review. Okay. And um, obviously the time of recording of this, uh, we're in lockdown and uh, obviously the coronavirus is, uh, is amongst us. How, how has the coronavirus sort of, um, and the, obviously the lockdown that we're in at the moment, how has that affected your operations? Well, not very much at all, in truth. Um, you know, we've always operated on a you know, fairly dispersed basis and um, you know, effectively most of our senior executives um, oftentimes are travelling, so you know, we're fundamentally sort of set up uh, for sort of remote working. So it's been a very sort of easy transition uh, to uh, remote working really across, across the organisation. We made a very early decision to... Um, um, close our uh, London office on a temporary basis. That was uh, actually on the second of second uh, of March. So you know we were very much um, in uh, you know in advance, I suppose, of uh, government initiatives to uh, sort of lockdown um, lockdown cities and uh, and countries. And I think that really goes to sort of emphasise the fact that you know we are very sort of concerned about the welfare of our employees and their families. And we sort of felt that the, the risks of um, in, uh, of our staff uh, coming into our office in London uh, were, were too great. Um, so hence, uh, we've uh, been really working from home uh, since the early part of March. But um, uh, the other aspect is that most of our um, on-ground activities um, are uh, pretty minimal at the moment, uh, whilst we undertake um, studies both in Portugal and and, and Mozambique. So, uh, operationally, um, we've been you know not very much affected um, at all as a result of the uh, the lockdowns and and the impacts of um, the uh, the health emergency. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about your um, lithium uh, mine development? Um, and it's one of obviously Europe's leading lithium um, developments. Um, how, and how do you actually see the uh, future of um, EVs and lithium? Um, well, I think um, I think the um, I think the, the future is uh, going to be very very strong. Um, I think uh, EVs are certainly going to become uh, more popular um, in terms of uh, sort of consumer choice. I think one of the things is that um, you know there will certainly be a, a, a much more sort of comprehensive sort of rollout of uh, vehicle, electric uh, vehicles over the next um, over the next few years. And I think that sort of um, uh, sort of limited range of uh, choice is somewhat sort of limited sort of take up to date. But um, all of the major European car manufacturers are looking at um, uh, you know, dramatically expanding uh, their ranges of vehicles, and I think that will sort of help uh, help uh, drive consumer demand. I think the other factor too is, of course, that um, the uh, capabilities of electric vehicles uh, continue to sort of increase. Um, the range of electric vehicles uh, continues to increase. Um, the total cost of ownership of electric vehicles uh, will uh, continues to decrease. And really, uh, both on a, on a capital and operating cost uh, basis, uh, will certainly sort of cross over with conventional um, internal combustion engine um, uh, vehicles. 
Um, and finally, I, I suppose the, the thing that's sort of really apparent from uh, the lockdowns that all of us are experiencing here in Europe is that, um, you know, the quality of life in cities um, in many ways is um, improved dramatically. Air quality has improved dramatically. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the atmosphere has improved in terms of quality. And I think this is really providing a little bit of an insight into um, how uh, cities will be able to uh, be uh, improved remarkably uh, once uh, the onset of EVs comes sort of through. So it will sort of dramatically sort of change the quality of life in cities. So I think that's something that's, um, you know, uh, particularly, uh, particularly exciting. Of course, you know, there is also the, the other aspect that the European uh, government is uh, keen on sort of pushing the adoption of electric vehicles. And there are very sort of serious um, financial penalties now uh, in place uh, for car companies sort of producing sort of conventional uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. So I think there'll be sort of a major uh, sort of move um, towards um, electric vehicles uh, during, during the course of this decade. Um, and until, you know, the um, arrival of this health emergency, I think we were sort of looking at, um, you know, something like um, uh, an increase um, in electric vehicles um, um, uh, globally from around about 2.3 million uh, vehicles in uh, 2019 through to about 10 million vehicles in um, 2025. And uh, I think forecasts are sort of suggesting that might go up to around about 28 million vehicles uh, by 2030. So... Um, you know, there's going to be sort of a really major step change. And with that, uh, that will sort of drive uh, demand for, you know, that sort of fundamental element uh, that makes it all happen, lithium. Yeah, certainly. Um, what's the time frames and time scales around your development, your lithium development? Right, well, at the moment, we're in the um, final stages of uh, licensing. We're, we will shortly be uh, lodging an environmental impact um, assessment, uh, which will probably be one of the most comprehensive EIAs undertaken by a mining company uh, in Europe to date. Um, or comprise a document of around about a thousand pages uh, before uh, appendices, etc. So it's been a, you know, a very comprehensively and rigorously in analysed um, project development. A lot of those results are folding into a DFS, a definitive feasibility study uh, we've got underway at the moment. Uh, and that should be completed uh, towards the end of this year. And in 2021, 20, uh, we'll be sort of moving into sort of financing, uh, concluding that and um, moving uh, towards a, a final investment decision and uh, commencement, of con uh, commencement of construction and, and looking to be sort of really in full-scale production uh, sometime in, um, in 2022, which we think will sort of ideally sort of coincide with the sort of major increase in uh, demand for uh, lithium-ion batteries um, uh, for, uh, to power uh, electric sort of vehicles. So, yeah, we think this is very much the, the right project at, at the right time. Yeah, certainly. And um, how's the um, government um, been with you and, and, and bringing this project along and also the local communities? How they received uh, what, and what, what you're doing and, and how, how, I suppose, with, with the government in any government interaction, how they, um, how they assisted in, in developing, helping you develop this uh, the project? Yeah, well, the, certainly the Portuguese government is um, is really alive to the opportunity uh, that Portugal has um, with its um, you know, very sort of significant European reserves of uh, of lithium. Uh, that the government uh, 
commissioned uh, an overall sort of study of uh, the lithium potential of the country in 2016. That was released in 2017. Um, and the government, um, we've found, has been extremely sort of supportive um, of the development of uh, Mina de Barroso. So we couldn't really ask for uh, better support out of the government. And, and I think the government quite sort of fairly sort of recognises that um, really the development of a mine like Mina de Barroso will be sort of really the engine uh, that will help sort of drive um, the development of um, downstream industry. For example, a refinery to convert the lithium into a lithium hydroxide, that lithium hydroxide uh, could then go into, say, a battery plant that might be uh, manufactured, for example, um, in, in Portugal. And of course, um, there are opportunities even further downstream in terms of um, EV manu manufacturing as well. So. Um, it really will be uh, the sort of start of the development of a, an end-to-end -end, uh, lithium value chain in Europe, a lot of which could be centred out of Portugal. And, and I think you know, really what we're seeing at the moment as a result of the uh, coronavirus uh, health emergency is that um, national governments are, are really looking for um, developments like our own, um, which can uh, provide a lot of inward investment, um, uh, jobs, um, business opportunities, um, the multiplier effects uh, that are available from um, a development like Mina de Brosso, which would help um, drive uh, the growth of existing businesses um, in our area and um, perhaps um, result in new businesses being created as well. So, um, you know, this is the right project at the right time and uh, particularly in this um, you know, rather more sort of challenging um, economic sort of context. Um, with that, not only are there really sort of national benefits, but there are sort of clear, uh, clear sort of local benefits as well. And um, we're working on uh, development of a, what we describe as a um, business uh, benefit sharing plan, uh, which will uh, involve um, you know, various uh, sort of funding initiatives uh, that we'll be able to make um, into the local communities to sort of help uh, sort of drive um, you know, prosperity and sort of growth and uh, and business opportunity in, in, in the region. So that's going to be sort of a key element in our uh, sort of building a, a social license uh, with, the, with the local communities. We're working very closely with local communities, building bridges, uh, building understanding. And of course, sort of a, a key element of uh, that will be sort of outlining the, um, the, uh, the results of the EIA. Um, which I think will outline a, a project uh, that will have will be able to sort of deal with uh, any impacts, either eliminating impacts, for example, uh, traffic impacts, or uh, reducing impacts uh, to the point where they're no longer sort of material. So we'll be undertaking a very sort of comprehensive sort of uh, facts-based um, engagement with the community as we sort of outline uh, our development plan. So. Um, that's sort of a, a key success factor, I think, for us uh, going forward. Yeah. And obviously, Portugal is probably not renowned for, for mining. Um, have you had much opposition at all? And if so, what kind of um, opposition um, or challenges have you faced with uh, maybe the locals or maybe the government, maybe because they're not used to having too much mining on their doorstep? Yeah, well, you know, certainly, I mean, I think, you know, with any sort of um, development, whether it's a, a shopping centre, a railway or a, a mine, there are always, you know, some uh, some people, some parts of the community uh, who mightn't like that. I mean, a lot of it 
uh, revolves really around uh, change. Uh, yeah. People are oftentimes um, unhappy, uh, unhappy with change. And uh, in our community, like in every community, uh, there are some people, but a, a very small number uh, of people um, who uh, don't welcome uh, the mine. However, you know, there's a, a very large um, percentage of the community who we believe um, are sort of quietly undecided, um, and we'll be certainly working on those uh, on those individuals um, over coming months and outlining our sort of development plans. And of course, there are many people um, who are enthusiastically supportive. They sort of see uh, this as an opportunity to um, you know provide jobs, careers, prosperity, revitalise uh, the area, introduce introduce new business and. And importantly, um, sort of help to sort of build a, a more sustainable uh, demographic um, uh, framework uh, for this particular part of the world, where um, which has um, been challenged by an aging uh, an aging population and the um, exodus of young people to to cities, whether it's uh, Porto, Lisbon, Paris, or, or, or London. Um, so we think that you know, uh, you know providing economic opportunity, jobs that will uh, attract uh, younger people, people with families, and it really sort of help to, to rebuild uh, the, the um, demographic infrastructure of, um, of this part of the world. In our local village, uh, for example, uh, the local primary school closed down because of um, uh, there being uh, uh, not enough children to sort of support um, the development of the school in the immediate region. Um, um, uh, secondary school children uh, are bust uh, to uh, another regional town. So, you know, we think we can do really um, a, a lot that will uh, fundamentally sort of change the sort of demographic complexion of this part of the world. Okay. Yeah. No. Sounds good. Good things that you've uh, you've got in planned uh, pla- uh, plans in place there. Um, what would you say? How I mean, how important is lithium and sort of other raw materials? used in um, EV batteries. Um, how important is it to be sourced some of these out of directly out of Europe as opposed to other continents around the world? Well, I suppose, you know, fundamentally to sort of try and keep as much value in, uh, in Europe itself. Um, uh, the car manufacturers traditionally like uh, very sort of short, um, short supply lines. They like uh, to order just in time. Um, so, you know, having, you know, some of these sort of key inputs, um, you know, close at hand, you know, within the, within the borders of Europe, I think um, will be sort of very key. I think the, um, I think the other uh, very important aspect is that, We'll be looking to sort of frame up a, a mine development that is um, as close to carbon neutral as possible. Uh, the sort of the primary energy that we'll be using for the mine itself will be um, electricity, and um, this northern part of Portugal is um, a very sort of major producer of uh, renewable energy. Uh, there are very sort of significant uh, wind farms and uh, sort of hydro developments in this part of the world. So. Um, in a lot of our car, a lot of um, sort of the end users of these lithium-ion batteries, the, the car manufacturers, really want to present a picture that a lot of their inputs um, as, have minimised their sort of carbon carbon foot, footprint and uh, and sort of carbon signature. So, um, you know, having that um, ability and being able to do that within uh, Europe itself, I think, is um, is very significant. Mm. Um, so, what's the next steps in terms of the, the development and? What is the sort of future for Savannah Resources? 
Sure. Well, I, I suppose in terms of um, Mina de Brasso, that's going to be sort of very much our key development. And um, there are a number of um, very uh, important sort of work streams that we're um, uh, undertaking at the moment. I suppose one is the uh, sort of commercialisation um, of the project in the sense of uh, developing um, in markets um, and, uh, and customer linkages. So we're looking at um, uh, negotiating and concluding off-taker agreements with um, with potential customers. Uh, we've, we've got some very well-developed uh, negotiations are underway at the moment. Um, licensing, as we've sort of uh, briefly discussed uh, during um, during this interview, is a, another sort of a key uh, sort of work stream for us. Financing, and a lot of the financing will, will really sort of come out of um, the, uh, will come off the back of the um, offtake agreement that um, we hope to uh, be negotiating over, over over sort of coming uh, coming months, and um, and um, and finally, you know, sort of stakeholder engagement. That's another you know, sort of very sort of key element uh, that we're um, we're working on at the moment. It's sort of building um, very good alignments, very sort of good um, bridges into both um, the local community, um, NGOs, and uh, sort of major stakeholder groups in in the region. So, it's a very sort of busy uh, time for us at the moment with those sort of major initiatives under underway um, at the moment. Yeah. And what's the, uh, the future for Savannah Resources? Are you looking to take this project to a certain stage um, or are you looking to take it into, into operation? Well, yeah, very, uh, very definitely uh, taking it both um, into operation and uh, and uh, to sort of successfully um, operate it for hopefully uh, a couple of uh, decades. And we'd really like our project to be sort of very much the, um, upstream anchor uh, for the development of this very sort of exciting industry. So, um, you know, we think it's a it's a um, very robust project um, in terms of its um, operating costs, and um, you know, we believe there'll be uh, you know, a very uh, very um, favourable sort of rewards for our shareholders um, as as we see this uh, project uh, move forward into production and uh, and operation. Okay. Well, that's um, really appreciate your time, David, in uh, telling us uh, about Savannah Resources. If our audience wants to uh, reach out to you and contact you if they've got any questions, um, how can they go about doing that? Um, well, uh, just email us at um, info at savannahresources.com. Uh, um, that, uh, that web address is on our, on our website. And um, it would be very, very happy to take any sort of questions suggestions and uh, reflections uh, from investors or um, or uh, contractors and um, other people in the mining community. Yeah. Um, are you on any social media platforms at all? Uh, yes, we've got a um, quite an active sort of Twitter, uh, Twitter account and we'll be uh, soon on uh, LinkedIn as well. Okay, that's good. Um, and if you've got any questions, you can always forward them to me and I can forward them on to David. Uh, my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Um, really appreciate your time, David. Thank you for um, telling us about Savannah Resources. And, and if any of the audience has some questions, no doubt they'll reach out to you. Um, hopefully um, you've enjoyed this episode. Um, and learning more about lithium and what we're actually doing in Europe. Um, obviously, with the EV market um, going to hopefully explode over the coming decades. Um, appreciate if you can uh, pass this uh, uh, episode on to anyone that wants to uh, listen or you feel that 
people can um, benefit from listening to this podcast. So I appreciate if you can share share um, this episode out to uh, your friends and colleagues. Um, also, this is going on to a YouTube channel as well. So I appreciate if you can, uh, um, when you view that, if you can like it and share it again to people that, uh, out to people you think uh, will benefit from listening to this episode. So um, hope, hope you, um, hope you uh, listened uh, and hope you enjoyed the podcast. And, and until next time, happy mining. Thanks for listening to Dig Deep the mining podcast if there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow rob and mining international on linkedin facebook twitter and youtube for more content and to have your questions answered until next time happy mining